is A.G. Barr going to quit? Because that's what the rumors here in the swamp are. Oh, he can't stand Trump. He's packing his bags. He's ready to bounce. Yeah, okay. Well, now that Russia collusion is over, I mean, does that mean that Trump could bring back the one person keeping his immigration promises, Jeff Sessions? Well, no, because I doubt these rumors are actually true. They usually aren't. As a guy named Zaid Abdel Noor once said, rumors are carried by haters, spread by fools, and accepted by idiots. And that perfectly describes, right, the media's relationship with both the nasty, bitter officials they talk to, the officials, of course, when they're not making those sources up, and then their viewers, the idiots. Plus, Boy Scouts going bankrupt due to lawsuits that involve child molestation from its leaders? What? Who would have seen that one coming? I mean, especially after the Mormon church cut their ties after the scouts started to admit gays and transgenders. Uh, you know, I'm sure that didn't affect their bottom line at all. And lastly, in the UK, did you know that the United Health Service can now deny treatment to people they consider to be sexist and racist? There are so many people in this hospital who are just rabid bigots because they, they misgendered me by accident and they just have to die. I'm John Miller, and the White House Brief begins now. So maybe you've seen this back and forth with Trump and Barr going on, because it's all over Drudge. But first, as always, I actually want to introduce you to a brand new sponsor of ours today, and that is Burrow. So you may be getting to that stage in life where that ratty old vinyl couch you got, you know, secondhand on maybe Craigslist isn't going to cut it anymore. You know, maybe you're at that stage in life where you can't just get furniture from the street corner anymore, but you don't like any of the other options you're seeing online or anywhere. That's where Burrow comes in. Replace your old sofa with a brand new Burrow sofa. It ships to your home and you can set it up yourself in minutes. It comes in durable fabric that's naturally scratch and stain resistant. And it even has built-in USB charger. So, you know, if you're like me, where your couch is a million feet from any outlet in your home, problem solved. It's the dead of winter now. They call it the dead of winter for a reason because the busyness of the holidays is over. So now is the perfect time to get work done for your home. Not only will you love your new Burrow sofa, but Burrow's genius sleep kit actually transforms your comfy sofa into an easy, even comfier bed. They offer free one-week shipping. Get $75 off your purchase and free one-week shipping at burrow.com slash WHB. That is B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash WHB for $75 off at Burrow. All right. So multiple outlets now reporting that Attorney General Bill Barr is threatening to quit over President Trump's tweets. One of those outlets was the Washington Compost, which had a four-reporter byline on the subject of Barr's threatening to resign. You know, over there, they need an army to do the work of one person. Here's a part of Brian Williams's interview with one of those reporters. Can you begin with your reporting that speaks to the state of mind of the attorney general and the state of his job vis-a-vis -vis the president? Yeah, so the attorney general has been telling people close to the president, both inside the White House and outside the White House, that he is considering resigning if President Trump keeps tweeting about Justice Department criminal cases. Now, I want you to remember that reporter. This is a reporter named Matt Zapatowski, and we'll show you in a bit 
why you cannot trust a word Matt Zapatowski says. But first, let me give you a bit of background. Remember, this all started when prosecutors gave Trump confidant Roger Stone a recommendation of seven to nine years in prison. On Twitter, then, Trump called this a, quote, very horrible and unfair situation. Cannot allow this miscarriage of justice. And then shortly after, the DOJ announced that they were overruling the prosecutor's recommendation, which prompted cries from the media that the Justice Department was tainted. The Justice Department was interfering, especially after Trump responded to that decision with a tweet where he congratulated Attorney General Barr for his department's decision. In an interview with ABC News, though, Barr insisted that he had acted independently and he said bluntly that he wants Trump's tweets about criminal cases to stop. To have public statements and tweets made about the department, uh, about uh, our people in the department, our, our men and women here, about cases pending in the department, and about judges before whom we have cases, uh, make it impossible uh, for me to do my job and to assure the courts and the prosecutors in the, in the department uh, that we're doing our work with integrity. Trump then acknowledged that, yeah, he's probably not making Barr's job any easier, but that's why we have a great attorney general who can handle it. And tweeting is how Trump gets his thoughts to the American public. Watch. I do make his job harder. I do agree with that. I think that's true. He's a very straight shooter. We have a great attorney general and he's working very hard. Social media for me has been very important because it gives me a voice. Because I don't get that voice in the press, in the media. I don't get that voice. So I'm allowed to have a voice. So that was Trump's response to Barr's response. Now, all of this started to lead to rumors that Barr had had enough. The Barr was going to quit and Trump was going to accept his resignation. That's the rumor right now being told by The Washington Post and specifically their reporter, Matt Zapatowski. Now, Matt is the same reporter, this is why he shouldn't exactly be trusted, who lied that an altered doc fed into Carter Page FISA, but did not affect overall validity of the FBI application. Now, this is the application that started the whole Mueller investigation, and Zapatowski says it did not affect the overall validity of the FBI application. Uh, it did. It did. It showed that the FBI made mistakes and even worse, omissions in the report. And additionally, DOJ spokesperson and director of communications said, addressing Beltway rumors, the attorney general has no plans to resign. Now look, I'm not saying, I'm not saying a resignation by bar would be the worst. No, it wouldn't be ideal in this timing to do so, considering that it's an election year and there's a 0% chance that the president could get someone else confirmed. But I got to say, some of you might disagree with me on this, but I got to say Barr has been a lot of talk. And Sessions, Sessions, I mean, you see what happened with the whole McCabe prosecution, right? Barr's office decided not to prosecute him for lying to the FBI. Would a Republican get away with that? Would a conservative get away with that? Would Roger Stone get away with that? Oh, no, they recommended seven to nine years for Roger Stone. So I don't know. I mean, Barr has talked up a big game. But nevertheless, those responsible for the Russian collusion hoax have yet to be held accountable. 
I mean, they're still free to appear on TV and spread more conspiracies. Similarly, they've been talking about cracking down on big tech for a while now. And just this week, Barr said, well, it is time for significant changes to a key portion of federal law that shields tech companies from liability for content posted, on, posted by their users. Uh, I would argue that the time for that was a long time ago. Many Republicans might argue that Barr's record has been lacking, and they might just shrug and say, uh, sounds good, but we're tired of listening to talk. Has anybody been, been indicted or arrested or convicted yet? When is something actually going to be done to uphold justice? And I briefly mentioned Sessions, then I went on onto a side track. But at this rate, Sessions could have been uh, canceling DACA like he announced he would back in 2017. He could have been enforcing laws on the southern border. He could have been closing the loopholes, working to defund sanctuary cities, barring fake phony asylees from entering the country and making sure threats to our sovereignty can't enter the country. Because under Barr, very little of that is happening now. It was happening under Sessions. But none of the action on seeking justice in the phony Russiagate scandal is happening at the moment either. So time shall tell, I suppose. So the Boy Scouts of America filed for bankruptcy protection this week as the organization faces hundreds of child abuse lawsuits and thousands of child abuse allegations. They were keeping these perversion files that contained info on volunteers whose ties to the organization were cut because they had been hit by reasonable allegations of child sex abuse. Nearly 8,000 Boy Scout leaders have been accused of sexual abuse since 1944. But unlike the situation we saw in the Roman Catholic Church, where a number of bishops released the names of priests in their diocese whom they said had been incredibly accused of abuse, Boy Scouts have never released the names of leaders who sexually abused boys in any form that can be known to the public. But we can assume the same kind of disgusting nature of these relationships, which is creepy old men preying on little boys. A power dynamic, if you will, between an old man and a boy, where the man tries to bolster his authority by harassing a boy who is essentially powerless. And recently, Boy Scouts opened up to openly gay adult volunteers as well as gay and transgender boys, which according to the Salt Lake Tribune, helped push them toward bankruptcy. It's very sad. Joining me now is Nate Madden, who is an Eagle Scout. He's also our congressional correspondent to give us more perspective. So Nate, I just wanna know, as both a practicing Catholic and an Eagle Scout, how does this hit, how does all of this hit you? I mean, in both situations, it infuriates me, right? There's a reason I was a Boy Scout. There's a reason I'm Catholic. And to see people abusing those systems and, and taking, doing evil things in organizations and things that are supposed to do good is just evil. It, it's just that simply. Whether it's these, whether it's these predator priests that, that we see come out and then ultimately like they get moved around or they, some of them get disciplined or things like that, or whether it's these scoutmasters or whoever else that are committing these acts on these young scouts, it's infuriating to know that this was going on. And look, I was a Boy Scout all the way from Tiger Cubs up until I was an Eagle Scout, then I aged out and I became an assistant scoutmaster after that and kept volunteering. Like, look, I- I made it up to Cub Scout. <laughs> I was a Tiger I mean, Scout, I wore the orange shirt, and then I got the blue uniform, and then that was it for me. Yeah, so I was an Eagle Scout with a gold palm, um, but like a little the, more impressive. 
But it's just so, so awful to see this going on and to, to, to hear about all this and it, just the sheer numbers of everything that's been going on. Because, I mean, from the time that I was you know, a Tiger Cub all the way through an assistant scoutmaster, I never saw this. I never heard of this. We were out there. We were doing good things. We were learning stuff. We were having fun. We were making fires, probably two big fires. But you know, anyway, we it was. But that was as bad as it got. But know? that was as bad as it got. You know, you you occasionally some you know somebody would bring fireworks on there, then we'd all get in trouble, and somebody would get a chew out. That was the worst thing that happened while we were involved in that. So but, why this is so upsetting, I think, is because an organization that instilled in young men, you know, integrity, honor, life skills, work ethic. All of that is now uh, potentially ruined because of, you know, it, it is thousands, but, you know, that's still, you know, a, a small fraction of the entire organization. But that fraction of people have ruined it for everybody. Well, I mean, this is what I'll tell you is, is, is being a practicing Catholic. I know many, 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 many very holy priests, and I thank God that we have them. And I thank God that they're there administering the sacraments, doing their job, doing everything that they do. But the problem is you have these handfuls that go and they do these wicked acts, these un- these terrible, terrible things to the innocent. And then that paints the entire organization in this picture. And then, you know, when you talk about the Catholic Church, that's always with, with people who are either you know neutral or against it. That's always one of the first few things that comes up. It's, it's just this reality of what the sins of the few can do against the good work of the whole. I'm probably going to get flack from this, but how much of this do you believe has to do with moral decay? With the case of the Boy Scouts, or the, uh, I know that it uh, started in 44, at least that's when their record started. But recently you had them start to accept uh, you know, gay and transgender uh, volunteers as leaders and accept them also as, as, as Boy Scouts. Um, and because of that, the Mormon church, who is you know, staunchly against uh, homosexuality and transgenderism, mm. they said... You know what? We're out, and the Boy Scouts immediately lost eighteen percent of their uh, of their membership because of that. You're saying how much of the bankruptcy is a result of, of uh, how these much actions? of this do you think? Not the bankruptcy, but just a matter of moral decay. The fact that you know um, now as a society uh, we don't uphold the same ideals, and we're kind of sliding down, and that manifests itself in, in in this Boy Scouts case. Well, see, in that case, I'd actually have to go through and look and see what the actual rates of this thing were. To me, what this looks like is a case where, you know, a lot of these, again, comparing it to the scandals in the Catholic Church, a lot of these were happening in the 70s, in the 80s, you know, and a lot of, before a lot of our, before a lot of the really insane stuff in our culture started happening, or at least started going mainstream. And then you say, you say this, you know, 1944, that long ago, we're talking about over seven, 70 years ago, um, you know, human beings sin, and that's what tell, that's what it tells me. And, you know, and it's not just these two organizations. You know, the Southern Baptist Convention has its own sex abuse scandals that it's dealing with. If you look at the two thousand four study from the Department of Education that suggests you know the rates of children abused in public schools is anywhere between six and nine percent, what you learn is that human beings sin. And human beings have always sinned. And people that are predisposed to this kind of things, that are predisposed to be predators or are weak to it, they go where the kids are. Yes. And that's the tragic reality. Because this isn't just a matter of, you know, we all sin. I mean, this is, inst- this is becoming institutional in some of these organizations. And it, I think that a lot of this over time is, is really forcing people to think about what sort of transparency and oversight measures. Because I, I think a lot of it, too, is, you know, you had these eras and you had situations where... No one would have assumed that these people, no one would have worried that these people in these positions of power over these children would have taken advantage of that. 
um, or at least that's the way that the the oversight measures were structured in a lot of these different a lot of these different areas where we see all these things. But then again, we're confronted with the reality of human of human fallenness. We're confronted with the reality of the things that people do when predators go where the kids are. So do you think, though, that it's a problem that we are encouraging humans to sin? Because now it used to be you you sinned and you kind of either had to atone for it, apologize for it. Now sin is being celebrated. And I have to imagine that has some sort of adverse effect. And I mean, you have the, the transgender thing, you have the, uh, the uh, gay thing, but now it's, you know, pedophilia is becoming mainstream. To the point where, you know, we are seeing TED Talks from people, not in America yet, but you're seeing TED Talks from people who are saying, well, you know, we have to accept pedophilia as just another sexuality. My fear is if we start to celebrate these things, then they're not going to, then the consequences of child molestation is not going to be seen as, as, as problematic as it actually is. is. Is that fair? I mean, I think that it's just a slippery slope. And the more we celebrate um, kind of degenerate behavior, the more it's going to be normalized. Well, look, if we understood for centuries, you know, what human nature, natural law tells us about the way that human sexes are supposed to interact, we had this understanding. And yes, there were outliers to that. But, you know, we understood that there is something that's supposed to be unique and permanent uh, about sexual union and things like that. And there were societies where we built up these sexual mores, these sexual mores around this this natural law understanding of what sex is supposed to be. And the thing about the sexual revolution is that we start tearing those away bit by bit. And what we've learned through the Me Too thing, through the realization of of all this different sex abuse, is that when you start pulling away all the different sexual mores, and you create a system where the only remaining one is is consent. And when consent is your only remaining one, then the only remaining barometer there is really just power. And that's what we learned from from the whole Me Too situation. That's what we learned there. We need to get back to a situation in society where we understand, you know, what these things are now, whether or not that's going to, whether or not these trends that we see are actually going to influence the rates of, of abuse and oversight in these different organizations. I think that's independent, but I definitely think we're getting into dangerous territory when we start, when we continue pulling away at that Jenga tower, mm-hmm. we, we just continue pulling these bricks out just to see how long this thing can actually stand up. Yeah. And you know, the last point I'll say is that with Boy Scouts, I do, uh, was it 2017 where they started to admit uh, girls because it was sexist or, you know, it was 2017 as well as, uh, you know, uh, you know, girls who identify as boys right. and things like that. And there's something to be said about having an all uh, male organization, which teaches young men before they need to be introduced to a, a number of things in life, you know, life skills that 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 are specific to men and not necessarily that women need to to know. Um, and even if it's just, you know, companionship or camaraderie, those kinds of things are important at that age. And when you start to mess with that, as you said, you know, the Jenga tower and start to pull pieces out of it, um, doesn't the whole foundation of the organization start to decay as at least it was intended when it was founded? Oh man, that's a heavy one. So I will say there, there is definitely something valuable to, uh, to having that sex specific education. So long as you understand in a society, there are actual differences between men and women, which we're not, which is something else we're pulling bricks out of as well. You know, we're, we're getting into that. You know, we've gotten into that for a long, long time. And I think that's just endemic of the changes that you saw there. But <sighs> there's a really great book on this topic uh, that, well, it, that addresses this topic, but it talks about the problem that males have in the society overall. It's called Boys Adrift. It's by a psychologist whose name is Leonard Sachs. 
And he goes into the problems in the public education system where you try to put little boys on the same tier as little girls and how they get overprescribed ADHD meds and things like that. And towards the end of it, he also talks about this decline of, of sex-specific education for both boys and girls and how that how that's detrimental. And I, I will say is, you know, having been a Boy Scout, I think there is something really valuable to having that sort of like father-son kind of mentorship and relationship going on there, as well as having that sort of male camaraderie going on there. And I, I can definitely see how, you know, integrating would take away from that from that specific thing because you know you think about what a little, you know you think about what like a teen teenage boy starts doing when he's around girls he stops he he changes the way he acts and you know it's a completely different experience in that situation yeah i think you're starting to see when you know when academics are down when you know men are overdosing on a much higher rate the suicide rates for men are higher the feminists would have you believe that they're in a much better situ- they're in a much worse situation and men have it so well, and that's just not the case. And I think um, exacerbating that just is going to make things worse for, for men in America, to put it simply. Oh, yeah, definitely, without, without a doubt. All right, Nate Madden, everyone. Thank you, Nate. Next, the startling change to the UK healthcare system that you need to know about. We'll tell you about it next. Did you know that you could be denied healthcare in the UK simply for being a bigot? which we all know these days means holding opinions that are out of line with the liberal dogma. But first, I wanna tell you about LegalZoom. Now, I know it's still early on in the year, but if you run a small business, you know 2020 is gonna fly by just like 2019 did. That's why you should use LegalZoom right now to make sure you're set up for success. Over the past 19 years, LegalZoom has helped more than 2 million Americans start their businesses by incorporating, forming an LLC, and more. But even after your business is set up, LegalZoom can still help you out with a lot more. Things like lease agreements, changing tax laws, and reviewing contracts all play a part in running your own business. These are precisely the kinds of costly hurdles that can take time away from growing your business. Do not let that happen. LegalZoom's network of independent attorneys and tax professionals can provide advice to address these things and more. And you'll never get charged by the hour since LegalZoom is not a firm. So do me a favor, go to LegalZoom.com today and enter promo code WHITEHOUSE in the box at checkout for special savings. That's LegalZoom.com code WHITEHOUSE. LegalZoom.com, where life meets legal. So imagine you're at a Trump rally. Wearing your Trump 2020 shirt, your MAGA hat, you got the whole gear on. Enjoying the commotion, feeling excited, anticipating the president. And then what happens? Well, you start to feel, start to feel a little weak, start to feel a little frail, start to feel a little funny. And your wife, who's, you know, the the constant warrior, oh, honey, are you okay? Well, she thinks you look a little clammy, right? And so she makes you leave to go to the doctor. You arrive at the doctor, the nurses take a look at your your Trump shirt, and the nurse says to you, ew, a Trump supporter? I don't treat racists, and you're not suffering an emergency, so you leave, and then you die when you leave because it turns out you were having a heart attack that wasn't registered as an emergency. Does that sound like a healthcare system you want here in America? Do you want a system in which medical professionals are allowed to ignore the oath they took to do no harm because they disagree with your political opinions? Because we're not that too far off. We're not far off from that. And in fact, that's the reality right now in the UK. 
racist and sexist NHS patients to be turned away from non-emergency care. The NHS is the universal healthcare system in England, and it is, to say the least, a disaster. You got long, long lists where people die waiting for the routine surgery they need, and now maybe they won't even get that treatment at all because you know that racist and sexist no longer mean what they used to be. Racist and sexist only mean people who hate people of other races, you know, all of that. That's what it used to mean. Now, it simply means somebody you don't like. Aren't we constantly hearing from the left that healthcare is a human right despite who you are? Well, apparently not if you don't have the right opinions. If you're a patient who believes a doctor who trained for years to care for you is less than you because they are black or gay or female and you won't even speak to them respectfully, you have forfeited your entitlement to their time. That's from a, a journalist, a serious journalist. Really, aren't journalists supposed to take the side of the people over institutions? That's what I've always been told. So I don't exactly understand how anyone who spends any amount of time at all learning about how the NHS operates could possibly want a system like that here in America. I mean, this is a government organization saying it is okay to let citizens suffer and go without health care simply because you don't like them. I might go out on a limb here and say that's not exactly okay with me. Because let's not forget, let's not forget, this is the same healthcare organization that let the little boy Charlie Gard die, the little baby boy Charlie Gard, because they felt like they ran out of options. Oh, it's unfortunate, Mr. and Mrs. Gard, but we've simply run out of options. It doesn't matter that the parents wanted to take him to other countries to try more treatments. The system in the UK simply decided it was time for him to die. And we're not that far out from that here in America, especially if a Democrat wins, if Bernie wins. Oh, no, we can expect that the next day. Bernie has the lead right now. Currently, he's winning. And we all know what that will mean. Every man, woman and child will be covered with comprehensive coverage through a Medicare for All program. And Mike Bloomberg, who was making a major surge neck and neck with Bernie, had this to say. You show up with prostate cancer and you're 95 years old. You should say, go and enjoy, have a nice cream, lead a long life. There's no cure and you can't do it. If you're a young person, we should do something about it. Yeah, maybe it starts with 95 year olds, but healthcare is expensive. It's always been expensive. And when things are run by the government, they only get more expensive. So then it will be, if you're 65 years old and you come in with prostate cancer, it'll be, have a nice long life and good luck, right? That's what's at stake in this next, ele in this next election. I mean, insurance, most insurance sucks, right? But abolishing private insurance altogether is not the answer. It will mean long lines, government committees deciding who gets treatment, medical professionals being allowed to deny your care because they don't like you. And now these are not just hypotheticals. These are the realities of the universal healthcare systems in Europe that you are supposed to envy, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the White House Brief Podcast. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please rate it. And if you feel like doing it, please leave a review. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.